through the day <laughs> where most of you are like, I don't have to work the rest of the year. You know, I'm just I'm going to go to bed. I'm, I'm going to, you know, it's 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 Christmas. It's the end of the year. It's fine. I'm just going to take a little take a little nap, take a little break. I know some of you are on vacation, which is beautiful. And you're out there with your families, which is amazing. And I hope you're having a absolutely wonderful time and taking some time for yourself. And if you're back at work this morning, I hope that you had a great holiday and I hope that you keep that spirit alive. Like, don't go to work and get all negative, get all down, back at work today. And to the people in retail, I mean, bless your hearts, seriously, because you know, Jesus is the reason for the season, but you know, we'll go, <laughs> people are going in today going, my aunt got me a sweater. My uncle got me a sweater. My niece got me a sweater. I'm going to put them all together and see if I can get that flat screen TV. So, I mean, I, I understand that uh, retail is going to be busy today. People are going to be out today. The sales are there today. So, you know, that that's not the reason for why we do this thing called Christmas. So just uh, make sure that you're nice to the people that are out there. Make sure that you're traveling safe. And even if you're back to work today, I hope you still take a break. Hope you still give yourself some time to just be. You know, if we learn anything from the holidays is you're supposed to focus on God. You're supposed to focus on family. You're supposed to take your time away and really uh, put yourself around good and positive energy. And you're supposed to understand you know, kind of what you need. It's not about the hustle and bustle. It's not about the gifts under the tree. It's not about how much money we can spend. It's it's about just time, right? Time away and time to relax and time to just appreciate each other. So I hope that you've done that. I hope that you've enjoyed some time and, and I hope it's not over for you. I hope you take some more time today and tomorrow and the next day. I'm taking my nephew out to a movie after the show. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to the opportunity of keeping the spirit alive because I think we we get really up for holidays and then we spend the rest of the year thinking about the next holiday that's coming instead of just enjoying the time that we got. So I hope that you do that today. With that being said, inside of monpazpopcorn.com is what's popping. A Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays to all of you. I don't say Happy Holidays in place of Christmas. I if I if I was Jewish, I wouldn't say it in place of Hanukkah. So, you know, Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays to everyone who celebrates other holidays. But to me, Merry Christmas is uh, is what it's all about. It's how I've always lived my life. And that's what we proudly put up here. St. Anselm did the same thing, made me feel very happy when I got to see a nice message from St. Anselm as an institution. And speaking of St. Anselm, Joe Adams is going to be joining the show a person that is a member of my family, Joe Adam, the head coach of St. Anselm's Hawks football team. You know, no big deal. Just the coach of the year, just making history, just doing all this stuff. And uh, he'll be on the show momentarily. And uh, I'm surprised that he doesn't have a cigar this morning, but that's okay. We'll talk about it. And then in hour number two at 10, 15 a.m. Eastern time, we'll have Dukes Knutson joining us, the Tampa Bay Rays press box manager, continuing the conversation about Jesus being the reason for the season. And then we'll get into the ingredients to success, proudly presented by Avicoles on Wake Up Call. So with that being said, I am picture in picture with the St. Anselm Hawks head football coach, Mr. Joe Adam. Joe, how are you? 
Dan, great to great to see you again, man. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. And I mean, Joe, you and I talk about this all the time, right? I don't think we've ever had a conversation where God isn't involved. It wouldn't make sense coming from us. When you get into the Christmas season and you see kind of what it's become, how do you try to share with your student athletes, your coaches, the the people you interact with that it's not about the money, it's not about the presents, it's it's not about the, you know, trips you can take and this and that, but it's 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 actually about this, you know, guy that happened to just die for everybody over 2000 years ago that some people want to believe in some people don't want to believe in some people feel like hey you know maybe he existed maybe he didn't i mean to know the ultimate sacrifice that happened over 2000 years ago and then to not have people genuinely believe that he even walked the earth how do you try to bring it back to jesus every season you know, we talked about this in my Thursday night Bible study. Um, and uh, number one, I think uh, don't don't judge people right for you know where they are in their walk or where they're not. And so uh, we're not better or worse than anybody else. Yeah, I think that's an important piece to this. And then you know just trying to be an example, right? And and we we're talking about this, like I said, and you know where you. Uh, you come to church on, on Sunday and you maybe see some faces that you don't normally see, you know, cause there's family members involved and there's other people who are maybe exploring their faith a little bit. And, uh, I just try to leave, uh, leave some, some nuggets, some clues, uh, for my team, for, um, you know, the guys that need to hear that message. Yeah. You know, I ask in my, in my prayer time, like, you know, Hey, who needs to get that text today? Who needs to maybe get a call? You know, uh, and I just try to kind of be the vessel that, that God uses to um, spread that message. And so um, it's not for me to decide uh, whether you accept it or don't accept it. Uh, that's for you to decide. And so uh, all we can do is try to be a model or good example of, um, of walking in that word and, um, and, um, and then spreading the message that way. You know, when, when you step into this holiday personally, what do you think about, you know, as you get closer and closer to Christmas, what is on your mind? You know, I have a hard time. Uh, finance has always been a hard, t- a hard thing for me. One, because I grew up without it. And so um, I'm not a very materialistic guy. Um, you, you know, I, I, I kind of go back and forth between the joy of, of, of opening all these presents, yeah. right. Versus, uh, versus the, the materialism and commercialism of kids just running through presents and like, you know, sensory overload and then not appreciating uh, those things. And so, um, you know, society wise, I don't know, uh, maybe we've gotten to a little bit too much commercialism, I guess. And and so um, there are people that are struggling out there. There are people that are trying to find their way. Yeah. People that are struggling with their rent money. Yeah. You know, so like any gift, uh, a picture, a text, uh, a voice, um, I, I look at it as gifts and right. And so like my perspective as I've gotten older has changed a little bit to, you know, not uh, not material items, but, um, you know, but what is this the reason for the season? Right. And so um, so that's uh, how I've shifted. And, and we did a we did a whole 24 chapter study on Luke. Uh, 
which was actually my wife's idea. We kind of did this on Facebook and she started it and we had a small group of people that read it every day and, and it was just 24 days leading up to the birth of Christ. And so, um, and his story, right. And so, you know, for us, it was, uh, that, that kind of put the perspective back into what the main thing is. Yeah. And, um, you know, Hey, I, uh, for about 30 years, man, I was, I was one of those guys, fill the stockings, you know, buy that, buy the presents, do all this and that. And then I really tried to start to explore the faith and, and, um, and get into what, uh, has now been the most important thing. Yeah. You know, I think this story, you know, it's such a, I don't know, to me growing up as a kid, and being able to see the story, right? And when you're in elementary school to reenact the birth of Christ and to follow along and, and the things that you learn and, you know, you know, the th- you know, the three kings and, you know, the, you know, the North Star and and all of this, you know, all these pieces to the story. And I just find that to be beautiful. Like my church had mass at four o'clock on christmas eve and then at three o'clock they had children's mass and so as you're coming in for you know the the typical mass i'll I'll call it the typical mass when you're coming in for that you're coming on the the edge of this reenactment of the birth of christ by by these kids and then these kids are with their parents at mass so you see angels now sitting in the audience and you see shepherds sitting in the audience and and it's you know it's a it's a beautiful thing because i mean i know as a kid when you know kind of to the other side of it when jesus was walking with his cross i was simon twice i was simon in college and i was simon in elementary school and i remember my my buddy was James was playing Jesus and I was carrying his cross. And then in college at Marywood University, I was carrying the cross again. And you don't forget those moments. And it helps the story to live with you. I mean, the cross that we had to bear, that that I had to pick up in college was heavy. This wasn't like, oh, we got you a foam cross and we're just going to walk around and pretend like it hurts. I mean, when I picked it up, I was like, uh, okay. I mean, is he okay? So, I mean, but, you know, you go back to those stories and when you live them, right, when you reenact them and, and you have just a small glimpse of them and, and, and what Jesus might have been through, because obviously there's nothing to it, right? They're fake whips. It's a fake cross. It's, it's, it's a reenactment. But when you get to actually stand within these steps and and envision what happened i feel like that makes you stop and it makes it last forever i mean i haven't been in elementary school in over two decades but it's it sits with me so i mean what can you say to that part of it that you know we're still teaching kids through acting that hey you know let's not just read about jesus let's actually physically walk his steps and and get you to think about this for a second the kind of instance that i really love because you know um reading about a story is one thing but kind of going through it much like much like when we're in football right you know looking at the playbook is one thing but going through the plays uh to have a better knowledge of it is is a whole nother teaching example right 
And so um, I just did a, a study I was presenting um, in, in Mark. And, uh, you know, the commentary I read is, you know, Jesus, after he was scourged at the crucifixion, I mean, you're talking about major blood loss, shock, um, you know, thirst, uh, restlessness. And then they, they, they basically tell him, hey, you, you've got to carry your cross. You know, uh, the average cross in total was about 300 pounds. And so a cross section of it could have been close to 75 to 100 pounds. So here he is. And I mean, like when you start to put that into the perspective, like you're speaking of it, uh, it bears a different uh, understanding. And so um, I think th this stuff is great. You know, I, I heard a story about a reenactment and, you know, it was, it was like, you know, 13 hours long and there was miles and miles of cars. Uh, you have to tell these stories um, to really make it um, understandable for people about what, uh, what, where the story started and then how it kind of proceeded through uh, in Jesus's ministry and, and then ultimately his sacrifice for all of us. Well, and, you know, this is the beginning of that story, right? This is the beginning. This is, this is that little baby, that innocent child that could not be touched, right? Who would, who would hurt this child? And this be this beginning of that that beautiful story where you get to sit and just kind of marvel in the fact of you know they they say you can become anything right you could become any you can you can go anywhere you want to go you could do anything you want to do you know they, they we tell people all the time you know you can reach these insurmountable odds but what jesus did was was beyond and to live a life where i mean you're talking about somebody in what 30 a little more than 30 years that lived this this life of kindness and positivity and goodness and love and faithfulness and forgiveness and walk this earth to give back to those that, that may never believe in him, may never have faith in him, may never honor him. You know, he he walked this way of life that is just incredible. And, and when you look at that baby and you just see this baby laying there, you think to yourself, how could this story turn into something that is so tragic and so heartbreaking and yet so miraculous. And, and I think that that's the thing that kind of makes me sit is how do you not see this and think to yourself, you know, look at the majesty of this life. And it started like any other human being, right? And, and I don't know if you've seen the movie, The Shack. But when you know, I'm not, I'm not going to ruin this for people. I'm going to give you a little like taste here, folks. But there's a guy he has lost in his family, and he ends up at this shack. And there's three people at the shack, and they end up being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he lives this, you know, he kind of like goes through with them, and 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 I found that to be such a profound story where 
there's all of these things happening around him that have to do with extreme pain and extreme loss. And, and you know, they're, they, God is constantly saying to him, I love you. You have no idea. You have no idea how much I love you. And, and Jesus is so calm and just says like, Hey, we just want to have a relationship with you. Like we just want to connect with you. And I just, I look back to, I look back to that story of the shack and, you know, people say, how can it get, how can it have gotten so bad? How could it have gone so wrong? And this person says to God, you know, you, you let, you let this person in my life die. You let them suffer. You let your son die. And, and, and literally one of the most profound things I have ever seen in my life is God, who who is an African-American woman at the time, played by a phenomenal actress, by the way. And she takes his hand and she puts her hand over his hand and you see the nail that went through. And she says, you know, we paid a terrible we, we pay we paid a, you know, like a, a large price for what happened to Jesus, like the decision that he chose to make. Don't think that I didn't feel his pain. And that just hit me some kind of way, because the age old question is, why do bad things happen to good people? And when you see that God suffered. When Jesus suffered, that they suffered together and, and said, you know, I, I suffer with you all. That just made me stop and think. And I know I'm I'm trying to. It's not necessarily make a point. I'm trying to just kind of paint the picture. But I mean, Joe, to me, it is. We live in a world today that that doesn't want to believe that any of this stuff happened, yet it is a thing that brings me to my knees all the time. what your belief system is but uh we can't be the uh the masters of our own device right and so uh, there's a higher power there's a creator at least the believers that that i'm around uh believe that uh that doesn't mean that there's not going to be struggles that doesn't mean there's not going to be strife yeah god has god has a plan just just that you know you look at the story here and god made a way for us to draw closer to him okay he made a way for the virgin mary to conceive even though she was a virgin right he made a way for um for this to happen you know even jesus as he's as he's you know a, a, a few days or two days before he's about to be crucified you know is is asking god you know hey can take this bear this, take this bearing away from me. And, and, and you know, uh, because remember, Jesus is the son of man, the son of God. And so uh, he's the only one and, he, and he, he lived without sin. So, I mean, I can't probably live 10 minutes without sin of <laughs> some sort. Right. So, um, you know, but he is the perfect example. And so God made a way for the unabounding love that he has for his creation right to find a way back to heaven and that is through jesus and so um 
it's never too late. I mean, I can tell everybody that, you know, I was reading the, the end of Luke and it, it's, it's never too late to, you think about the two, the two men that were on the cross uh, with Jesus and one was kind of mocking him and the other one was, you know, saying, Hey, um, you know, truly you are the son of God and, the, and uh, the king of the Jews. And, and then, you know, Jesus says to him, you know, you will be with me in paradise. So, even to the bitter end, you know, we have to make that decision as people while we're alive, because mm -hmm. once our lives are over and the judgment is passed, whether you're going to heaven or you're going below, there is no taking it back. There is no salvation at that point. And so, um, you know, I choose, I choose that life versus the life of, of what I'm seeing right now with, people robbing each other and fighting each other and uh, disrespecting each other. And, um, you know, that, that is not the teaching of the Bible. It's not the teaching of God or Jesus. And um, I guess if, uh, if we're wrong, then, um, you know, that, that will be, uh, that will be something to pass down the road. But uh, I choose to, like you said, choose to live a life of positivity, man. Um, a life where you help your neighbor, a life where you're a good person. Uh, it doesn't always happen that way, but uh, I think it's a personal choice. Yeah. I mean, Joe, speaking here with St. Anselm head fo football coach, uh, Joe Adam, good friend of mine, and speaking on the reason for the season, Joe, how did we get here? You know, I, I, I find as a, and I tell people this, they're like, you know what, why did you choose sports or what got you into sports? And I said, well, you know, sports is the news that is typically positive, right? People, I mean, win, lose, or draw, you want to see how your team is doing. You, you get away, right? When you go into sports, you go into fantasy football and, you know, get to play that and fantasy baseball and you're watching your favorite team and you're collecting your sports cards and it's a positive place. And yet I find myself in 2023 looking back to myself in 2008 and going, in 2008, I, I thought the biggest problem was the fact that when guys signed, signed contracts in the NFL, they weren't like real contracts. It was like, oh, $100 million contract, but it was only 40 And thinking about like, wow, that's not fair to that guy. It's a ton of money, but, you know, it's an eight-year deal, but really it's a five-year deal, and there's all these pieces and clauses to it, and he's never going to make that money. And now I look at it 15 years later, and I'm and I'm just... I, <laughs> I feel like every morning that I wake up, I'm like, okay, we're going to talk about Syracuse football, but I should pe I should tell people God loves them. You know, we're going to, we're going to do some St. Anselm stuff, but I should pray. You know, there's, I feel like every single day, this world is hurling itself toward hell and just trying to get there really, really fast. It's like a Ferrari to hell. And here we are, you and I believing in God. Jesus is the reason for the season. And I typed this up today and I put it out there. And I think to myself, some people might not watch the show today because it's not sports. It's not sports, Dan. You know, you're talking about God and some people might be offended. Joe, I didn't grow up in this world. And not in a world that looked like this. And... I sit here and I actually asked my dad this question before Christmas. I said, Dad, how did we get here? You know, there, 
there's things that are happening in, in society right now that are considered normal that we would have put people in institutions for. I mean, we we would have had people talk about mental illness if they were saying these things out loud. I'm going to ask you the question I asked my dad. How did we get here? Uh, we got here um, from simply trying to do life ourselves and um, setting a, yeah, an unrealistic example of what we actually value uh, in our society, right? We value fame, we value money, we value prestige, we value other things, right? And so, um, you know, it, it's important to get into scripture every day because it is it is a guidebook for an everyday life, right? And the same struggles they had 2,000 years ago are the same things we struggle with today. Why? Because man is totally flawed. That's why. Yeah. Right? So we are, we're born into sin, right? And we are we are sinners. So unless we turn from sin, repent, make Jesus the leader of your life and try to walk in his way with a relationship, that's, that's why, right? So, um, and I'm not saying that there's stumbles, there's not people that stumble along the way, you know, people get upset that, well, this pastor did this and this preacher did this. Well, because man is flawed. Okay. And so, um, you know, you, you have to, it's only the grace of God that we have every day that uh, allows us to, to keep moving forward. And, um, and we have to ask for that grace uh, and we have to accept it. Right. And so um, I think that's what it is. The, the further away that you move away towards scripture or towards a higher power of being, the more you try to do life on your own with your own set of rules and your own belief system. And this is the product of what this is. Yeah. You know, I mean, like you said, and it put very eloquently and very simply, we are where we are because we, we chose to do this alone. We chose to do this without God. We chose to say, Hey, maybe you exist. Maybe you don't, but in my life, I'm going to do me. And I had somebody ask me this before, you know, and, and you're going to probably smile when I say this, but you know, I, I've been told over and over and over again, and I was trying to do life by myself. I mean, I never wanted to do life without God, but I was trying to find my relationship, right? Find that woman without God. And people kept saying to me, you know, you got to be equally yoked. You have to be equally yoked. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'll just, I'll find somebody. And I remember this one girl. And she said to me, she goes, I don't get it. And I said, what? She said, you've accomplished so many things in your life. You've done so much. Look at yourself. You own a business. You're living your dreams. Like, you should be really proud of yourself. And I said, I am. And she said, then why don't you give yourself the credit? She said, God didn't do this. 
God didn't get up in the morning and go to work and do all this stuff. God didn't make all the connections you made. God didn't find all the businesses you found. So why do you give God credit? Why don't you give yourself credit? Like she's like, I did everything. I'm proud of myself. I built my life for me. I'm successful because of me. Why don't you take credit for what you've done? Why aren't you giving it to you? And I said, because. How do you think I met those people? Do you think God didn't put our paths crossing for a reason? You think I met all of these wonderful businesses by accident? You think that when I met Bob Costas and I was in LaGuardia Airport and I could have been in a billion different terminals and a billion different gates that he ended up at my gate on my plane with the airline that I was on and we got to talk for 20 minutes? You think I made Bob Costas appear on my plane? You think that I made Joe Adam go to Syracuse and I crossed paths with Joe Adam and Joe Adam and I became family like brothers. You think that 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 I just made that happen in some subconscious life that I'm living in. I told her, I said, listen, I am proud of the work that I've done. Oh, you don't look like it. I am. But I give him the credit. She said, I don't get it. I said, well, you don't have to get it. What I understand in my life is that nothing that I have done, will do, or can do comes without somebody guiding me and guarding me. Because God always shows me. This is the crazy thing about life, Joe. Anytime somebody does me dirty, God always brings that to my doorstep. God is like the dog that says, hey, just so you know, I found this mouse outside and I didn't want it to get in the house. And that happens all the time. I got to a point where I laughed. I told somebody, I said, go ahead and do something behind my back. And I'll see you right here in front of my house. And so when people say, how do you know? Like, why, why don't you give yourself the credit? Because there's no way that I could have possibly put my... Now, do I work hard? Do I put my... Am I saying I did nothing? No, I'm not saying I didn't do anything. I have to show up. I have to chase my dreams. I have to go after things. But do you know how many times I felt beaten down? Do you know how many people have stolen my work? Do you know how many people have tried to discredit me, to ruin my business, to ruin my reputation? How many people have tried to make me feel like I don't belong in the treehouse of the media? Who do you think gets me through those days when I, when I can't? So sitting on the couch with her, having this conversation... And her saying, why aren't you proud of yourself? I said, I am proud of myself. But I am not closed-minded, naive, ignorant enough to believe that I did this all on my own, met all these people on my own, made all these things happen on my own, because there's no way that I could trip into every God incidence that I've tripped into. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe people just kind of pass by and you meet them and it's just a total accident. Because in that case, I've had a million and five accidents in my life. So that was something I'd love to get your thoughts on because, you know, people will say that they're like, you've built a good life for yourself. You should be proud. And I said, I am proud, but I'm not too proud to get down on my knees and remember that this life. <laughs> is not something that I did by myself. And I don't know how to describe it other than the fact that 
there's no way that I could have known what was down the road. So somebody helped to, what do they say? Sometimes when you're like, why am I late for work? And it's like, well, sometimes God slows your car down, right? Puts traffic in front of you because that train's about to hit a car and he doesn't want you to be there. So I can't tell you how many times I feel like God did that. There was a bad accident when I was driving to the airport down in Jacksonville one time. And I thought to myself, man, if I had left, you know, what could that have been me if I had left 15 minutes earlier? So, yeah, I mean, I'd love to get your thoughts on the people because you talk about doing it yourself that are saying, you know, I have a Fortune 500 business because I built it. I have a million dollars because I made it. I made all these connections and I'm at the top of this and the top of that because I did it. I, I, I made this life happen. Didn't you say, Dan, if you want to make life happen, you got to get off the couch? Yeah. But when you get off the couch, I guess the easiest way for me to say it, Joe, is when I get off the couch, don't I have to take my compass? Um, and I've gotten a lot of this myself, uh, especially this year with some of the accolades that we've gotten. And I remind everybody that I've been coaching the same way for 27 years. So uh, it just was uh, a magical piece. Uh, we have built something great here. And, um, you know, uh, I, I try not to take, I try to be humble with this and, and not be a guy that takes a ton of credit because God is using me as a vessel to do this. Not that... You know, I myself made all these decisions and all these movements and all these defensive and offensive calls to get us to the right place. I use the experience and the gift that God has given me to try to to reap the rewards of, of my profession here. Right. And so the analogy I'll give you, I was thinking about this as just as you were talking about it. Right. We're all trying to climb this mountain. Right. You and I, both professionals, we're trying to climb this mountain of success. Well, there is no pleasure in, you know. God wants you to glance down at the mountain to see how far you've come. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want you to look down at the mountain and say, look at all that I did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What he wants you to do is when you get to the top of the mountain or you get close, not to look back down, but to look up. Right. And to say, thank you and give praise for allowing him on, on the journey. Right. Because he's guided every part of your step. And I think that's a, that's just an analogy I think about, right? And I was thinking about it while you're while you're while you're talking. And so, um, you know, when I get to the day of judgment, I'm not going to sit here and say, "Well, look at all that I did," <laughs> you know, because God already has His plan, and He's going to be like, "Well, you know, when I put you in this situation, how did you perform? When I gave you this blessing, how did you perform? Yeah. When I gave you this strife, how did you react?" Right? And I. Hey, I have troubles just like everybody else. I have grudges. I have vendettas. I have guys that, you know, I, I, I want to try and, um, you know, get even with and all those types of things. I know that's not very Christian, but uh, those are things I pray about and I struggle with. And so um, full disclosure. So, um, but, uh, you know, at least I have somebody who's guiding my steps every day. Yeah. And, uh, and so I can't be the master of myself. I can't make my own rules. I live by a higher power. I read scripture to understand what rules and instructions that he gives us. And then I read about Jesus's life as an example of what you should be doing um, in this life. 
you know, and so what what the the goal is to lead a good Christian life and to get into paradise so that you don't have to suffer with pain or tears or anguish or or hell, right? And so um, it's one of the reasons why we, we live this life this way. And so there is no, you know, the, the fame, prestige, all the all the the flesh and earthly things won't uh, won't be won't be important at that point. You know, I I was thinking about something when you were when you were just talking now about when people that are doing things that I don't understand or believing things I don't understand, and they say, "Well, you have to believe me. You have to believe me. You have to go my way. I created this way, and now you have to go my way." Why can't we use to them what they use to us? Well, I don't believe in God. Why? Because I don't feel like it. Because I don't think it's real. Okay. Well, in today's society, why don't you follow this, Dan? Because I don't believe in it. Because I don't think it's real. There's a lot of things that are happening in society right now that just beg to me the question of who raised you? Did nobody raise you? Did you have love growing up as a kid? We've been through stuff. People see me, they don't know the half of stuff that I've been through. You know, I was going through life yesterday and thinking about things yesterday. And it's like over 15 years ago, somebody tried to take my life. It was somebody I was dating. It was a woman. I had a woman ask me last year, all these years later. She said, if that woman was trying to take your life and at the time was trying to strangle me with my own lanyard, she said, why didn't you just punch? This is what she's, this is what a woman said. She said, why didn't you just punch her in the face? Punch her in the face. She'll let go. I said, you want to know why? Because even in a time of great strife, great pain and great confusion, I refused to do something that I am not. I refuse to put my hands on a woman. That's not the man that I would ever choose to be. And she said, yeah, but it's your life. And I said, but the moment that I did that, I know she wanted me to do that so that she could say to me, hey, you can never say you didn't do it. And you go back to those moments and, and, and somebody says, you know, why would you go through all of that? Why would you go through all of that pain? Why would you be with somebody like that? And I could ask a million women in the Me Too movement about that. And I could ask a million men that don't feel welcome in the Me Too movement about that. Why do we stay in relationships, friendships, family, romantic, business that are abusive? And now I'm tasked with the fact that there are people that I love in my life that have been in situations. And I said to one of their loved ones within the last couple of days, I said, I can talk to them when they're ready and I can tell them there's life on the other side of it because I'm, I'm here. But I still to this day cannot say that I got out of that situation with that woman without God. Her eyes turned black. I didn't, I, I remember looking at her saying, you're not alone anymore. 
there was something else with her. And it wasn't God. And I still, I remember closing my eyes. I don't remember why she let go, how she let go, but she let go. And I still to this day say, you know, God did something. God got through to her because I couldn't. I could not get in her brain. I could not get in her heart. I could not reach her. But she let go. And, you know, when you when you tell those stories, most people are silent because they don't know. Because a lot of people live in this world now where no everyone's hurt, but nobody's hurt more than me. It's it's a it's a race, right? Like, you, OK, well, you know, you're this color, but I went through this. Oh, well, well, you're a woman, but but as a guy I did this. Oh, well, your family went through that, but my family went through this. Oh, well, you're Hispanic. And when your family came over like this happened to you, but my Italian family, this is what happened to us. We're all trying to beat each other to the race of who has the worst life, who has the most strife, who has the most pain, but we're not trying to heal it. You know, and you're either a solution person or you're a problem person. There are people that will tell you every day of their lives all the problems they have. And there are the people that will tell you on Monday, these are the problems I have. And after they tell you, they're working the solution out the rest of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that by the end of the week, hopefully they'll have that problem gone or, or they'll have some type of control on their what they can do with that problem. There's solution, there's problem solvers, and there's there's problem solvers and there's problem havers. The people that just want you to know how bad their life is. And you look at me, if I walk through my life every day, there's not a person on this planet that would have thought, hey, somebody tried to kill him. Somebody almost succeeded. And it was the woman that he trusted more than most people. Nobody's going to think that. But that happened to me. And Joe, they always say to not, you don't, you never know what somebody's going through in their lives. So when I walk to a game and the media's dogging me and disrespecting me and stealing from me and pushing out my chair and not letting me do this, not let me do that. You don't belong here, Dan. This is a little sandbox from third grade. We're going to live like this till we're 80. They have no idea that the man that they're treating like crap has carried this healing of the fact that somebody tried to do that. And I think it's really important to not judge a book by its cover and to understand that everybody has something they're going through. And there really is the reality in treat everyone well because you have no idea what people have been through. And, and what I've learned in my life is even the happiest, most successful people have stories that they can tell you when they trust you that you would never believe. Great point, Dan. The, um, the real blessing, right, is, uh, is having those people reach out to you and, and tell you how much of a difference you've made um, just by being kind and being genuine. And so, you know, Jesus spoke the truth in, in the Bible and you look at his parables, you look at his stories, you look at his healings. We live in a time right now where people have the truth twisted around a little bit or who manipulate the truth of what's real and what's truthful and what's not. I think that's, uh, that's a little bit of where we're at. 
and then just remember that uh, I learned this, uh, you know, Craig Rochelle, a, a great pastor, uh, had a, a great example of this in my men's group a couple years ago. And he's like, you know, the, the, the journey to adultery doesn't begin with one step. It's a thousand steps. It's the, you know, the, the kind smile. It's the text message. It's the waving of the hair. And all of a sudden you're like, how did I get to this point? Well, you look a thousand steps back and you see exactly where you got there. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's a thousand steps, man, to, to, to do something bad, to, to not live the life that God intended for you. And so I'm, I'm inspired because I, you know, you look at Romans and you look at Paul and, you know, he's in prison for his beliefs and yet he's giving grace, uh, giving praise and, and, and thanking God for all the struggles that he has. And so that's such a, a great inspiration for those guys. I mean, you know, start, start there. If you don't believe, start, start with Romans, <laughs> um, you know, or, uh, or any of the, the letters back to the, the churches, um, you know, that, that Paul wrote. What about Job? Right. Yeah, I'd, I'd love yeah. for you to give your, for those who don't know the story of Job, I, I would love for you to impart what you learn from him in the Bible, because that's a really, really interesting story. And I have my own thoughts, but I don't want to load the question. But going well, off of what you just said. I have not studied Job, so I don't know the exact story behind him yet. So you'll have to forgive me on that. Well, in the story, and, and I, I'm not going to say that I know everything about this, but God puts Job through a bunch of painful moments, a lot of strife. And he keeps taking from Job and he's taking and he's taking and he's taking. And Job is like, why are you doing this? You know, what is this for? Why are you like, God, take it away from me. Stop doing this to me. You know, and God keeps doing it. And so, and again, this is this is me paraphrasing. This is me, you know, I need to study better and I'm going to be full disclosure about that. Sure. But I look at the story of Job. And I find it so interesting because I look at today's world and people say, well, if God exists, then why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why did, you know, why didn't that person say yes when I asked him out? How come I didn't get that job? How come I'm not a millionaire? How come there was a tsunami? How come people died? How come there's terrorism? How come all this stuff exists if God exists? And Job was going through this, like, how come all this stuff exists if God exists? Like, how, why are you doing this to me? And the, and, and from what I understand, and I could be wrong, God, and forgive me if I am, God was like, I put you through all of this because I knew how strong your faith was. I put you through this because I knew you could handle it. Mother Teresa said a long time ago that, God gives his toughest battles to, to those that, that believe the deepest, to those that, that he knows he has. She said, I wish he didn't trust me so much. But you wonder why. Why does this happen? And Job asked that question. I've asked that question. God, why? I have everything in my life, but I don't have the wife I wanted, and I want to have a family. I'm 38 years old. I don't have that. On Christmas, I don't come home to that. I can't grab her hand and say, babe, you know, family's getting a little crazy. Let's go home. Let's go watch a movie or babe. Hey, you want to go see lights on the lake or hey, do you want to just dance in the snow with me? 
I can't do that. And so I look at the God and I say, you've given me everything I've ever asked for and more. At 38 years old, I've lived a complete life and I feel like I've just gotten started and I can't wait to see what we do next. Why isn't she here yet? And maybe God's saying, because I need you to have that faith in me and I keep testing you, checking in with you, saying, is he trying to do it by himself? Is he trying to find her by himself? Is he trying to make it happen? Is he listening to me? Does he have faith in me? He's 38. He asked for this when he was 12. What's he been like the last 26 years? Are you giving me what I need? Do you actually believe she's coming, Daniel? Because if you don't, I might make you wait another 38 years. And, and that's something I think that people don't fully understand is when you say, God, why are you doing this to me? God wants you to love him. God wants you to have faith. If he gave you everything, just threw it out. Look at the world. <laughs> Look at the people that have everything. They don't have enough. Look at the people that have everything. They don't thank anybody. They thank themselves. I've watched basketball players do a press conference talking about how much they thank themselves on how amazing they are in a sport where they have four other teammates on the court with them at all times. And I, to this day, don't watch that player play basketball because I have no respect for living life going, yeah, I did this all myself. Aren't I awesome? So maybe God's not giving you what you want because you haven't given him what he needs. And, and faith is one of those things, and as I'm saying this this morning, I'm, I'm smiling to myself because I know that Joe's going to text me after the show and be like, bingo, dude. <laughs> I think God was saying to you the whole time, what are you doing, bro? Because you got no faith in me. You have no faith that I'm going to do it. You're asking me the same question you asked me when you were a kid. You're demanding the same things of me that you asked me when you were a kid. You still don't believe I'm going to do it. And so I'm not going to do it until you believe. Isn't that a conundrum, Daniel? I'm not going to give you what you want until you actually believe that you deserve it and that's, that I'm going to give it to you. And I just go back to that story of Job where Job is like, why are you doing this? And God's like, because I know you can take it. Because I know I need to get it out of you. I need you to have faith. You can, it's easy for you to have faith in me, Job. It's easy for you to have faith in me, Joe, Dan, Bob, Susan. Patricia, it's easy for you to have faith in me when you have everything you need. But will you have faith in me when you are living under a bridge in a tsunami by yourself? No phone, nobody. Will you believe in me in the middle of an ocean? Do you think I will come out and get you? Or do you think I'm going to leave you there? And I feel like so many of us get out to that water and we don't even get in an ocean, Joe. We go to a pool. We go to a little tiny pool that we could swim out of. We go to the middle of the pool. Our feet can't touch the bottom. We get scared. And God goes, I'm two inches away. I'm coming. And we go, no, 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 no. You're going to make us drown. And so maybe God brings us to the point of drowning so that we actually believe that he's going to lift us out of the water. And I think a lot of us don't have 
we think that faith has to be immediately responded to. And that's not the definition of faith. And, and, uh, you know, your, you know, timing, your timing is different than God's timing, right? <clears throat> and so his, you know, time is a, is a different perspective for him, uh, than it is for us here on earth. And, um, you know, you're talking about kind of being in the pool. It's like, you know, when I got baptized in, in, uh, October, you know, you, you, you are, you're letting your old life die and you're renewed in a new life. Right. And so in a life of belief and that, like I said, that does not come without strife or struggle, man. Um, you know, there's, there's things that people are struggling with every single day, but, uh, I think if you change your perspective and say, Hey, you know, thank you for, you know, getting me to this point. Thank you for putting this into, you know, where we don't act like victims all the time. And we, we thank, thank God for the struggle a little bit. Yeah. And so, uh, even, I mean, like we're, we're a rich society, man. You know, I mean, I, I came on vacation where, uh, I was just on vacation about two weeks ago where you know, people are struggling and like, you know, they would love to have a home that I live in and, you know, the life that, that, you know, God has given me. And so, um, you know, it's a bit, it's a matter of perspective, right? And so, um, I feel for those that are struggling with things, especially around the holidays yeah. and, um, and, and just in, in their understanding of what, uh, what their faith is going to mean. And so it's never too late to, uh, to grab hold of it. It only starts with a single step. It starts with opening your Bible app or your Bible and, and getting into the word and, and like me, hopefully that, you know, once you get into the word and you're like, man, this is so refreshing, man, this is so, this is so life giving. Like I want to read more of it. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, uh, we do so much scrolling for entertainment purposes on social media, um, that, uh, we, we sometimes forget, uh, the blueprint that, uh, God has left us with, um, to live a quality life here. Yeah, speaking here with Joe Adams, St. Anselm, head football coach here on Wake Up Call, and Jesus being the reason for the season, all seasons to me. And going off of that, I'm going to bring up something that I don't like. See, this is what I do on my show. I make myself so uncomfortable that I get comfortable. And people are like, why do you do that? Like, why do you talk about things that are tough? Why do you bring up things that you... Why would you say a woman tried to kill you? Why would you talk about being bullied? Because you want to know why somebody watching or listening may be on the end of their rope. They might be thinking today, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, Dan. I'm jumping. And I want to look them in the eye and say, I get it. And I didn't jump. Well, when did it happen? 20 years ago. You've been here 20 years after all that happened? Yeah. And if I can be here for 20 years and your buck can be here for 20 years and we'll figure this thing out. You know, one of the things that I really struggle with that I want to bring up to make myself more uncomfortable today because I love God and I know I need it is when they say somebody comes, some people come into your life for a season. And even when I say it, my chest is like, Ugh, you know, like you know, some people just come in for a season. Some people are meant to stay there forever. Some people are meant to come into your life to teach you a lesson. Some people, you know, so God uses 
people in your life, things in your life, you know, animals. He uses beings in your life to sometimes they're your people. Sometimes that's that's your flock. That's your group. And sometimes that's your lesson. Some people are just meant to be a lesson. They are meant to be there for a season. And I think, well, I don't think, I know that I tried to force some of my winter seasons to be there in the spring, in the summer, in the fall. And God was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I got this. And he was like, you're going to go through a lot of pain right now. And I did. So I'd love to get your take on some people come into your life for a season because it's something that is very hard, not just for me, but it's very hard for people to take in that somebody's meant to be there for a day, a month, a couple months, a couple years, but they're not supposed to be there forever. And we try to hold on to a lot of those non-forevers. So I think it's important to have the conversation. Yeah, you know, um, I do believe this, that, that God hears the conversations that you don't hear. And so he understands uh, what you need and and at what time you need it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if there's if there's if there's fruit at the end of that relationship, then that will continue and it will constantly harvest. Right. And if there's not fruit, if there's passerbys or so on and so forth, then, you know, he'll remove that. Right. And so like, I have hundreds of texting or coaching buddies and I'm like, I, I could have sat here for four hours yesterday, texted them all, but I didn't do that. Right. And so, uh, we have colleagues, we have people that are close to, um, you know, uh, the, that's part of being a coach, at least for me is like the variable is the team. Yeah. So I have relationships obviously with the guys and as they move forward, you know, some guys I'm tighter with some guys I, you know, haven't talked to much after their graduation. And, uh, and so, um, you know, uh, there's just simply not enough time, uh, to do all that. And so some coaches I've coached with, uh, on my staff and others that we've had great experiences with and connection. And so I think when you have connection with people, it's almost like, you know, like I come back to this laying down of the seed and then this harvest and this fruit. And so there's going to be fruit at that, at that, uh, relationship. And so if there's no fruit, if it's a struggle, if it's a struggle to get the seeds in the ground, if it's a struggle to get the water on it, to struggle to get the sunlight on it, it's not going to bear fruit. And so um, I'm just, uh, you know, I just put it in God's hands to say, hey, you know, who, you know, where do you want me to be? Who do you want me to meet? You know, am I going to run into somebody for a certain reason? Uh, I just try to go with the flow on that. And so... um, you know, seven years I've been here at St. A's and, and this is my longest tenure of any coaching job I've ever had. And people have asked me, oh, now that you're the coach of the year, what's going to happen next? I'm like, whatever God's plan is, that's that's what's going to happen. And so, um, you know, I've, I've built some great relationships here and uh, I'm tight with a lot of people. And, uh, you know, from from the janitor all the way up to the president. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's the way it is. So. Um, I don't know, you know, whether it's season, what you believe or, or otherwise. Um, but I do believe that, uh, God's going to put people into your life when you need it the most. And he's going to take people out when, when there's probably not much fruit to bear after that. We want people to like us, right? 
So many of us want everybody to like us. When we ask that girl out, ask that guy out, and they say no, they don't like us. They don't like the way we look. They don't like the way that we talk. They don't like our career. They don't like what we believe in. When we go for that job, they pick somebody over us. How do you deal? How would you tell your student athletes to deal, your family to deal with when somebody doesn't like you? Because in a lot of cases, it doesn't matter how many thousands of people might like that person. They don't care about that. They care about why does this one person not like me? Why does this one person not think that I'm great? So how do you deal with it? I would question this. How much do you value yourself, right? And are you willing to give the power over what you believe in yourself to someone else? Because that's what you're doing, right? You know, when you're like, well, uh, maybe it's a wife in an abusive uh, relationship, right? And so, or maybe there's a messy divorce, you know, uh, don't worry about what that other person thinks of you, because if you do, all you're doing is giving them power over your life. Yeah. <laughs> when, uh, when, you know, that, that's uh, un the unintended consequence, right? I've had to do this, uh, this cycle, Dan, in recruiting. I mean, there's probably myself over a hundred student athletes where I've said, Hey, you just don't fit that bracket. You don't fit where we are in the scholarship piece. We don't fit, uh, you know, you're not as good as this other person, but I always try to leave it as, hey, there's a great place for you ahead. You know, I don't know where that is, but yeah. you always try to, to, to let it down. And so uh, I'm not going to ghost. I'm not going to ghost kids. I'm not going to do that kind of stuff. I'm just going to evaluate it. Before I before I came on your show, I was evaluating student athletes. You know, I've got a bunch of those to get through uh, today and tomorrow. And so that that evaluation process, my, my job is to compare people. Um, the student athlete's job is not to compare. Uh, you do your very best and then you're going to end up where you're supposed to end up. And so even when a guy decides not to come to St. A's, I shoot him a message. I'm like, Hey man, great to see that you've found the place. And Hey, if it doesn't work out, you know, I'll keep that door open down the road. It's not personal. I get it. And, and a lot of those conversations I had two years ago are now coming back to fruit uh, and to bear um, with some of the guys that are coming back into our program. So, um, you know, I, I, I see it every day. Uh, it's, um, it, it, you know, you're not going to live in a life where everybody likes you, yeah. where everybody appreciates you, everybody respects you. Uh, but do not absolutely 100% do not give those people power over your thought process, what you value yourself, or more importantly, what God values and the gifts that he's instilled in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, I mean, you said it all, but I think in the world we live in today, everybody thinks they're an entertainer and they have to entertain. I love shutting my phone off, whether that means I put it away during a movie or, but see, I love those moments. They're like, oh man, you're always on your phone. You're always doing stuff. Like we see you everywhere. Da da da. And I'm like, yeah. But if I had an opportunity to sit in front of a fire pit with Joe Adam, I would take that over my phone every time. Yeah. Yeah. If I could go out on a boat and listen to the water and the birds and the wind, I would do that every time. 
there's times where I drive where I don't listen to any music and I've dated girls that are like, why is there no music on in the car? And I'm like, I just sometimes I just like to let the moment be the moment. You know, I don't want to overcrowd the moment. And I, I think it's really funny because there's people in the entertainment world, which whether or not you and I want to believe that we're part of that. And in that entertainment world, there's people there's people that want to get in. There's always people that want to get in the entertainment world. They want to get in there. They want to be the ones on the field. They want to be the ones you know behind the microphone. They want to be the ones on the stage. And what they don't realize about some of us is as much as we love what we're doing, <laughs> we look forward to being in the green room hanging out. We look forward to being on the tour bus hanging out. We look forward to the phone calls that you don't hear. I tell people all the time, the best conversation I had with Floyd Little, I didn't air. Not because I didn't want you to hear it, but because it was for him and me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's <laughs> it's just amazing to me that that everyone's trying to get in the party. Everyone's trying to get around the bouncer and get to the VIP and get past all that all that red tape. But if they understood anything about a lot of us that are in that party is we can't wait to go home, take our shoes off. Not that we don't appreciate being at the party. It's just you can't tell me there's anything better than laying in bed with my dog, watching TV and, and you know, laughing and winding down. I watched the movie That Awkward Moment three times in the last two days. People would say, why would you watch a movie that you just watched? Why would you watch a movie on Christmas with your mom? Go home and watch it again. Because something inside of it called to me that there was a message I needed to get. And I wanted God to let me. I wanted God. I wanted to let God give me that message. I didn't want to block it. So I kept watching the movie, not because I didn't know what happened, but because he was going, yeah, OK, I'm talking to you. I need you to hear it. And I could feel it in my chest, so I let it play. So, I mean, I, I think, I think if you're trying to please everybody, you're you're gonna fail because you can't. Because some people are nuts. I, I love you all to pieces, but some people are crazy. You can't please especially the crazy, the coach, especially coaching <laughs> football. <laughs> but you know, yeah, you're there's not. No, there's no coach I know in, in any part of this country, or any other for that matter, that. Um, uh, has 100% everybody likability. Yeah. You're not going to please everybody. It's just, it's just not how it's going to happen. And, you know, you could try and win a popularity contest or you could try and go back home someday. And I know some of you believe, and I know some of you don't. And I know that no matter what Joe and I say or do, you still may not believe, but we didn't come on here today to make you believe. We came on here today to unapologetic, unapologetically, not be afraid to say we know what Christmas is all about. So with that being said, the coach of the year, who's also the coach of the year, who kept getting coach of the year. stuff. I didn't know they had this many coach of the years, but this man, yeah. coach, this is coach of the year, this coach of the year, that. And, you know, if I know anything about Joe, I'm happy y'all voted him coach of the year. I'm happy you gave it to him. I would have given it to him during this process a long time ago because it was not built overnight. I would have given him coach of the year when y'all didn't see it in the win-loss column. But 
he's not here because he's coach of the year. He's here because he's Joe. He's here because he's always been good to me and true to me. And he's one of the people that I can trust to come on my show and talk about God and not be like, "Uh oh, what are people going to think? Will my boss be okay?" Like, you know, I just so I, I thank you for the fact, Joe, that in a world that has created a lot of fear, you talk about God on and off the air with me all the time. And it's a really nice thing to know that I have a friend in Jesus. So I want to just Amen thank you for that. that. Amen to that. Well, I appreciate you having me on and uh, I hope you have a prosperous new year. I hope all your listeners have a prosperous new year uh, and whatever they, uh, whatever goals or achievements they're trying to, to get to. And, um, you know, this is always that, that time of year where people start setting resolutions and all those types of things. And, um, my, uh, my thought process is, uh, just to continue to draw closer in my faith and, um, be the best leader of men that I can be and, uh, just continue to allow, you know, God's blessings and, and to use me as a vessel to, to do that and wherever, uh, whatever capacity he puts me in. So I appreciate you having me on, man. And, uh, just really blessed to, to have the opportunity. Well, as always, Joe Adam right here, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy that I truly appreciate having in my life as a good friend and as a member of my family, in my opinion. So Joe, congrats on everything, but more than anything else, I'm, I'm very happy that God brought us together on purpose. Amen to that, man. I'll talk with you soon and Merry Christmas again and a very happy and prosperous new year. Same to you, Dan. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, bud. See you. Bye. That coming from Joe Adam one more time here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports truly meets that thing called life. We are going to jump into our conversation with Mr. Dukes Knutson here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Very excited to have Dukes coming on to the show. So we're going to have Dukes Knutson joining us here momentarily. As we get set for that, I want to thank you all for tuning in here. I know that you may be with family still. You, you may be traveling back home. But whatever you're doing, I want to thank you for being a part of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, making us a part of your morning every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. I truly can't thank you enough for the connections that, uh, that we can make because of the fact that you spend the time to watch the show and listen to the show and be a part of it. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And uh, speaking of being thankful, I am always uh, so very thankful to have Dukes Knutson here on the broadcast here with me. Dukes is a, is a good friend of mine, and he's somebody who has always, always helped me find my way uh, closer to God and to really sit and think about things I blame Dukes for the fact that I have to have really tough conversations with myself. And uh, that's all because of how much he loves me. And I know that. And so I bring him proudly onto the show to have our conversation here right after Christmas. But if you're like me, Christmas is not one day of the year. It is a celebration all year long. Mr. Knudsen, how are we? Good to see you too. So, Duke's fifty-eight days till spring training. I know, and and I, I as I told you before, I uh, T Tampa Bay Rays press box manager Duke's Knutson here with us today. The team that came into the league the same year as Tampa, the Arizona Diamondbacks, my favorite team. Uh, they have 
never, ever, they've succeeded in something over this, and I don't know if they know this in the last few weeks, I have never wanted spring training to happen faster. Now, I'm not wishing time goes by fast. I'm not wishing that, you know, all these days fly by because you can never get them back again. I'm just saying that I have never been more anxiously anticipating spring training than I am right now because I want my Diamondbacks to get back on the field, get back to it, and uh, give me another shot to go to the World Series with my dad. Yeah, you got some uh, some new horses to go with it. <laughs> we do. We definitely have some new horses. So I'm happy to have you here. We're speaking on the reason for the season. Uh, to us, Jesus is the reason for the season. I, I thank everybody that watches and listens to the show of all different faiths and backgrounds, and people that have a faith, people that don't have a faith. And as I always tell you, I respect you for being the person that you've chosen to be. Please respect me for being the person I have chosen to be. So with that being said, I am so excited to talk with you about something we talk about on and off the air all the time, which is Jesus Christ. And his birthday was yesterday. So I get really pumped and amped for this. By the way, I think I'm right about this. I want to make sure I double check because it's a leap year. But Jesus's birthday, yes. So Jesus's birthday on a Monday this year and my birthday to follow will be back on the on the actual day of the week that I was born, which is also on a Monday. So I'm happy that Jesus and I get to take a trip around the sun both on Monday. But uh, I defer to him all of the love, glory and credit for everything. Dukes, how do you celebrate Christmas? Uh a loaded question you got a couple hours here i do yeah go ahead <laughs> okay um very honestly i um i i struggle sometimes with christmas dan uh christmas has evolved in such a secular holiday in the united states and <clears throat> um I, I don't want you to get me wrong I, i'm not a scrooge okay um, I, I have childhood memories of just fantastic Christmases and uh, running into the living room and seeing presents and tearing them apart and, and, and all that kind of stuff, Santa Claus. Uh, but as I've grown into adulthood, and especially since I'm a lifelong bachelor, um, where, where Jesus has become the focal point now of my, of my Christmas celebration. Yeah. Um, I, I, as we look into the Christmas story, you know, the, the part where um, Joseph and Mary went to the inn and there was no room for Jesus. And uh, I, I. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, we had a little bounce back for a second. Go ahead. I, I fear we're living in a society that that's the way it is today. There's no room for Jesus. We have to have Santa Claus and Frosty and Rudolph and, and everything else with Christmas, but there's no room for Jesus. Um, I, was, I was disappointed, I guess is the best word I can come up with. Um, I attended four different church services this weekend of various denominations and and the last one I went to was the Midnight Mass. Um, you know, my parents brought us up Catholic. And and uh, so I went to the church where my parents, who are both in heaven now, um, went to church. And I, I do that every Christmas Eve. Yeah. And uh, I remember 
early days, 20, 25 years ago, um, you could, you'd have to get to, to the church, you know, 45 minutes early to get a seat. Yeah. Well, this, I was there, um, this weekend, Saturday night, Christmas Eve mass. And I don't think it was half full. Um, there's many people where there's no room for Jesus in their Christmas celebration. Um, so getting back to your question, Dan, um, as, as a, as an adult, as a, as a man of faith, um, I have no family in, in the immediate area. Um, and so it's, it's my celebration is a very private celebration, yeah. which I love. I love it. Uh, as I said, I, I attended a, a, a church service on, on Saturday afternoon and then three on Sunday. And, and they were all just they were wonderful, wonderful services. Um, but that was basically the extent of, of my celebration. You know what I find kind of interesting, Dan? Um, Yesterday was Christmas Day. Uh, you, you're hard pressed to find any churches today other than Catholics that have services on Christmas Day. Yeah. Well, and, you, you, there's something that rubs me the wrong way about that. Well, you know, and, and it, I mean, there is there is the reality that you know Christ has become a business, right? There's anybody can have a church now. And, you know, there's a church and they put a cross on it or something that kind of looks like a cross. And, you know, it's their own little like Nike swoosh, but also a cross. And and. You know, if if you're closed, if you're a church that's closed on Christmas, then I kind of look at you like you're a Christ business. You're not a you're not a church. And, you know, I mean, does a church ever truly close? They say, you know, maybe their office is closed. Maybe they let the secretary go home. You know, maybe maybe nobody's there to pick up the trash for the next week because they told everybody to go home. But the priest is still there. Priest is still praying. The priest will probably hear a confession. You know, there's there's a lot to be said about the fact that uh, church's doors are always supposed to be open. I mean, I remember growing up as a kid and I went to St. Daniel's Church. Really ironic that there was a church that had St. Daniel and it was right down the road. And it's where my grandma went. It's where my parents went. And so I got to like go to a church that had my name in it, which was really cool as a kid. And the story of St. Daniel has stuck with me since I believe fifth grade and uh, has never gone away. So actually, if I ever got a tattoo on my body, which I do not have one, it, there's a tattoo of Daniel with the lion looking at looking up at God and it's the most beautiful thing. So, but I, uh, yeah, going back to my point, I mean, growing up, we went to church and the doors were always open. I remember I could be playing in the neighborhood and go to the church and the door was open and Monsignor Yannick, God bless him in heaven and Merry Christmas, Monsignor. It's the first time I can't say it to you in person. So, God bless you. He, the door was open. He was there, you know, like all the time, pretty much. And I just remember that as a kid, right? There was certain doors. That, I mean, if, the, if, if, if everything was closed as a kid, you thought, hey, the gym door, if I can get into the school, the gym is always open and my buddies and I can play basketball and the church is always open. It was like the gym and the church, all that in Italian 
kid needs. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, you expect other things to be closed, right? Target should be closed and Walmart and, you know, Kohl's and whatever, but the church should always be open. And, you know, I, I went to church and, and there was an interesting thing that happened at church. And, and, and if this woman is listening, cause I don't know her name, I really don't want you to feel bad because I had to kind of like live with it, feel it and let it go. Because it was like, when people do things in today's world, I'm like, ah, you know what I mean? Like when you see selfishness in today's world, it just hits different because you're like, why? And there was this woman that her and her family were sitting and she had an extra seat. And I came into the church and I was standing there and I was visible to her. I was two steps away from her and she saw me, but she didn't say anything. And then another woman came in and she looked at the woman and almost immediately said, do you need a seat? And she gave the woman a seat. And I looked at her when she was doing it and she goes, oh, does he need a seat? And she said that to the other woman, but she said it looking at me, but she never asked. And I decided to stand and I was like, Jesus wants you to let this go. But then I'm thinking in my head, I was like, man, he wasn't allowed in the inn. I'm not allowed a seat. Maybe he wants me to feel a little tiny speck of, but, you know, I, I go back to that moment and, and I'm thinking in my head, did they choose? And then there was another man that was on my other side and he had three seats and he didn't offer them to anybody. And I'm sitting here in church and I was fighting the human ego in me to go, how can you be in church right now and not be offering people a seat in front of Jesus who would offer everybody a seat and he would sit on the floor? And so I'd love to get your thoughts on that, Dukes, because to me, it was like this, like, strange thing to see in a church, like of all places to not welcome people. It was like, nope, these are my seats. Go sit somewhere else. Well, I'm assuming the church was packed. For the most part, yeah. There was standing room only. Yeah, except for these couple seats that that were not being yeah. offered. Yeah. Um, did you make an effort to say, "Is any or anybody anybody using these seats?" I did not. After that woman went, let the other woman sit down. I was like, you know what? I'll just I'll stand. It's fine. <laughs> so, but the other guy never looked over, and and I know that that I figured that was going to be your question is like, did you go up to them and say, "May I sit here?" Because then. It's another story if they go no, and then the whole mass, the seats are open. But there was a lot of spaces, even in pews, where you could have sat in between families. But I will give one woman who worked at the church credit. She came up to me and she was she asked me, she asked, she asked everybody that was standing, she said, Would you like a seat? And and I was like, No, 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 like, you know, I'm okay. Like, I'll stand at this point. I I found it I just found it interesting, I guess, that people had an abundance of something and didn't share it. Well, I, I think that's kind of a microcosm of, of the way many of us Christians act in our daily lives. Um, <clears throat> uh, former Rays baseball player and I were doing a Bible study the other day together. And um, <clears throat> we were talking about how, how we, uh, how we react when we, pull up to a stoplight and on the street corner, there's a homeless person with a sign saying, I'm hungry, I need, need help. And a lot of us will turn our heads the other way. We, we, don't, we don't offer to help. 
Um, and so your, your situation to me reminds me of that, that it's, it's, we, we do this all the time. We, we ignore people. Um, we ignore opportunities to serve other people. Um, and, and, and to some degree, I think that we don't always realize we're doing that. Um, you know, when I'm sitting in my car, sitting at that stoplight, I'm thinking about where I'm going, what I have to do. I'm not thinking of the plight of this person who's standing on the street corner. And if I did, if I put myself in their shoes, I might react differently. Um, So it's, uh, Dan, I've said it on your show. I say it all the time. If you choose to live a Christian lifestyle, you're choosing the hardest lifestyle there is to live. And uh, we've got an incredible role model in Jesus Christ. And um, Romans 3.23 says that we all fall short, mm-hmm. uh, but we keep, we keep pursuing. We keep trying to get better. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe the experience you had at church the other day will, will help you in the long run that the next time that you're sitting in, in the pews and have an opportunity to give a seat to somebody else, you might remember the time that you didn't get a seat. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, I was raised a certain way and it's, it's like, it's twofold. I was, I was raised in a way to have morals and values and to care about everybody. And at the same time, I feel like I could always feel God in me. Like, I feel like even if I was raised differently, that God would have still spoken to me because that light was always there. So I, I give God credit. And I thank God for the family I was given as well, because I give them credit for the love that they've instilled that when I'm on a subway train, I get up. And people don't I mean, people don't know. I've been traveling with a neck injury for the past four weeks, five weeks. People don't know. They see a young man and they think, you know, and and I'm going to tell you something that that I did that I wasn't proud of that I didn't want to do. And I did it and somebody reacted and I'm going to give you the backstory of it. So I was on a plane and it doesn't matter what row I'm in. When the plane lands, people jump off that plane like like somebody set their butt on fire and they're just flying through the whole thing. It's like they got a little jetpack on and I'll be in row four and they'll be in row 30 and the plane will land. And as soon as that plane does the ding, that person from row 30 has jumped over all those rows and is now standing next to me. Well, many a time I'm not in a rush to get off the plane and and I don't mind letting people go and I help people out. And that's been me my whole life. Well, this flight a few weeks ago, I have a neck injury. It was my first flight since my neck injury. My neck was acting up. It was bothering me. And the airline that I was on was over two hours late. So they were going to give me 21 minutes and I had to go across the airport. I had to go from D to B. And even then it was like, are they even going to understand my plight? Are they going to understand my situation? So this woman asked me to help her with her bag. And I'm like, and in my head, and I know like my dad said, who cares what people think? 
I was like, I was thinking about people in that moment. And I was like, if I don't help this woman with her bag, they're going to go, oh, here's a young man, blah, blah, blah. He, you know, look at how disrespectful he is, who raised him. And it's like, no, I'm not helping her with her bag because I have a neck injury. I'm not helping her with her bag because I'm not even supposed to be carrying my own bag. And so, but it was funny because I helped her, I helped her get her bag and I was trying to help her get it down. And, and she like, I got it to a certain point. She's like, I got it from here. And it was like, no one's trying to steal your bag, ma'am. But anyways, I turned around and first class is in front of me. And I'm sitting in the row behind first class. And these people are taking their time. And I'm thinking to myself, I got to get off the plane. Like so many people my entire life have just, you know, especially in today's America, I shouldn't say my entire life. In today's America, I've had a ton of people block me from getting off the plane because they're more important than everybody else in their mind. And so this day, I have to get off the plane. This day, I'm thinking like, I, I got, I'm going to climb over seats. I'm going to do whatever I have to do because I got to get on the plane because I was going to work. I was going to do an event like it's very important for me to get there. And so there's these people in first class taking their time. And then there's a guy and there's a woman and the guy comes out of the seat and I step forward. Now, everything inside of me that I've been taught my whole life and everything I know about God is like, don't step in front of this woman. Even if you're going to miss your flight, don't step in front of her. So never done this my whole life. I step in front of the woman. She was taking her time. I thought maybe I would go before she got out. Well, she looks up at me. I feel terrible. I walk forward. I don't. I don't have time in my head. I'm like, I got to go. And of course, two guys that know nothing about my life, nothing about my situation, nothing about my neck, nothing about my flight, nothing about what the airline put me in a position to be in. These two guys in their 40s look at each other and they go, <laughs> and they start kibitzing. And then one guy goes, someone must be in a hurry. And I turned around and I said, I have 20 minutes to make my flight. And he said, well, I have 10 minutes to make mine. And I, I wanted to turn around and go, well, now I have five. Do you have one? Because you you have to have more important of a plight than I do. Because that's the world we live in, right? Everybody's pain is bigger than the other person's pain. So I don't have time to sit there and say to him, I've never stepped in front of a woman before. This is not what I do. I didn't want to do it. I felt bad doing it. I had to fight myself. By the way, I helped that woman with her bag and I'm not supposed to because I have a neck injury. I have to go across the airport. I don't think I'm going to get there in time. I'm supposed to be going to work. I literally pray for people like yourself every single day, even though you treat people like me like crap. And I just want you to know that, sir. Have a great day. I didn't have time to say that. But I go back to that moment and I still feel bad that I stepped in front of that woman, Dukes. And I'm still upset that people comment on everybody's life all the time. And how many times does God have to say to us, in daily life, in so many ways, you don't know what people are going through. So stop judging them. And my name, Daniel, literally means God is my judge, which I tell people all the time is God's nice way of telling me, please do not judge anybody, Daniel. That's my job. So now that I've told you that story, I'd love to get your thoughts because we live in a society where people judge all the time. And even somebody like me who felt terrible doing it, that those two guys first thought on their mind was this guy's lived his whole life like a jerk because of one moment in one situation that I didn't want to be in. Well, obviously I wasn't there. Um, 
first thing that comes to my mind is something that you just said. You said that uh, people don't know what, what you have been through. They don't know your circumstances, but, but you don't know theirs either. Yeah. So we don't know if they may have been in a hurry too. Like he's the guy said, he said, I only have 10 minutes. You got 20 minutes. I got 10. Um, so I don't know. Communication to me is, is so vital to this. Uh, if we're just kind and gentle with each other and, and talk to each other, I think we solve a lot of our problems, you know, uh, you know, explaining to this lady or these two guys that, Hey, you know, I've got a, I've got a neck problem right now, but I want to help this lady with her, her bag. And, and, uh, I'm running late here. And you mind if I get out here and, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, uh, but, uh, every, that's why we, again, living the Christian life, we try to prepare ourselves to handle the circumstances in our life. Yeah. Uh, and it's a very difficult challenge, obviously. Yeah, you know, and, and I just I find that, and like you said, <clears throat> living the Christian life is probably the hardest one out there. When people hear that, I think subconsciously, there's people that choose because because in the society we live in today that feels like there's less and less rules because like rules have to change for every person. Right. Like when you say stealing is wrong and then someone comes up to you and goes, well, what if I'm stealing? Cause my family has no money and we need to eat. You should understand. And then if they go, okay, well you could take the loaf of bread this time. Then the person behind them goes, well, why can't I take a TV? My, my, my family doesn't have a TV. And then the person down the street goes, hey, somebody took a TV and took a piece of bread. So now I'm going to steal every day of my life. Well, do you need it? No, but they let them do it. So now I should be able to do it. It, it, it seems like living a tough life is what everybody wants you to believe that they have. Everyone's got a tough life, tougher than everybody else's life. Everyone's life is tough. Right. And I don't and I don't discredit that. I think everybody goes through strife. But this whole mentality that like my life is worse than yours, it has to be worse than yours because I'm more important than you are. I. Look at society today, Dukes, and I go off of something that you said, and it makes perfect sense to me. If the Christian life is the most difficult life to live, I can understand that people in 2023 not wanting to live it because it seems like a lot of people don't want to do anything that's difficult. Well, I have to add to it, though it's the most difficult lifestyle there is to live, but it's also the most rewarding lifestyle there is to live. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that, that makes it all worth it. It's just, you know, again, I think we've talked about this before. Sports is such a good um, analogy because, uh, you know, Texas Rangers just won the World Series uh, in October or November. Uh, they, they work very hard from starting last February. In fact, even before that, in the off season, they were in the weight room. They, they put all, you know, and you can't tell me that every one of those workouts was a, was a ton of fun. Yeah. No, it was, they, they, they blood, sweat and tears. They poured into it, Yeah. but it paid off. It paid off. And, and, and that's how I view my Christian walk. Um, it's not always fun. It's very difficult. Sometimes it's frustrating at times. I mean, we're supposed to, we, we have to love our enemies. Not only that, we have to pray for our enemies. We have to count 
our, our trials as joy. That's what it says in the book of James. I mean, who counts their trials as joy? That, that's so hard to do. I haven't mastered that yet, but it's it's worth it in the long run. Ultimately, in, in our salvation, in, you know, the day that we get to heaven, that's what that's what we're going to gain. But uh, it also says in John 10, 10, that, that Jesus came to give us life abundantly. Yeah. Uh, and I, my experience has been that uh, since I gave my life to the Lord over 40 years ago, um, yes, there's trials, there's challenges, there's adversity, there's pain, there's suffering. There's all those things. None of us can escape those. But... I handle them in such a different way than I did before I accepted Jesus. And it, it, like I say, it just makes everything worthwhile. Dukes Knutson here with us, uh, press box manager for the Tampa Bay Rays on Wake Up Call, speaking on uh, Jesus being the reason for the season. Dukes, this is a question that's, that's an easy question to write down, but it's one of the most difficult questions to deal with in life. Why don't they want me? Why don't they like me? Could be a team, could be friends, could be a boss, could be family members, could be blood relatives, you know, could be a girl or a guy you're trying to date. Why don't they want me? Why don't they like me? If I'm a good person, if I have something to give, because we live in a society where that's exponentially felt, right? I got a thousand likes. Why didn't I get 2000? Why didn't anybody send me a direct message and ask me out? Why didn't anybody do this? Why didn't anybody do that? This got a million likes. I got a million views. I got to get this. I got to get that. I, I, you know, this girl, you know, I, I was 10 for 10 going to the bar and asking girls out. And then this 11th girl didn't give me the time of day. Well, I mean, I, I mean, why not? What, what, what do I not have? I need to know. I'm going to have to find that girl and ask her what I don't have. Why don't they want me? Why don't they like me? How do you answer those questions? Because we live in a society, we live in a society now with social media where somebody not liking you and not wanting you, people feel that by the thousands now. Well, my personal reaction to that, Dan, is that um, you need to start living um, your life for Jesus, living your life in the spirit, not not by the world standards um, virtually everything that you just mentioned, the social media, other people, you're not going to get satisfaction in those. They're, they're going to let you down all the time. They're going to let you down. Uh, but develop, work on, work on developing a relationship with Christ. And, and through that, um, you know, he, uh, the, the Holy spirit leads us into relationships he, he, he leads us into um just the way we live our lives and and we need to take satisfaction in that um <clears throat> you know we sing certain songs as christians one of them is called all in all you are my all in all you are all i need jesus well how many people really believe that you know um uh, like you said, too many people are, are putting their their self-worth into things that 
in my mind, are not biblical. You know, uh, it, it's, it's a very easy trap to fall into. You yeah. know, athletics is a good example. Uh, so many people will, <clears throat> uh, their identity becomes how well they perform. Um, one of my very good friends, I don't think he'd mind me bringing this up, David DeJesus, had a 13-year career in the major leagues. And um, he, he became a Christian um, uh, about, that's about 11 years ago now, 12 years ago. And his whole life changed. And he acknowledges in his testimony that he was his whole self-worth was based on how he was doing as a ball player. Yeah. If his average was going down, he felt bad. Um, you look at so many, you know, I, I was watching a little bit. I didn't pay that much attention to Brock Purdy last night with the 49ers. Four interceptions, I believe, did he have? Yeah. Three or four. Yeah. Um, four. Probably the worst night of his professional career. But as I watched him come off the field, you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. He's the same Brock Purdy who was – who's uh, been mentioned as the most valuable player candidate. Uh, <clears throat> his identity isn't in his performance. His identity is in his relationship with Christ. And uh, I, I think that's, for me, that's the answer to your question. What do you say to people like that? Put your, put your self-worth and identity in Christ, not in the world. Well, and I think that's the that's the, that's the biggest issue right now in today's society, is it not that that we live in a world that is in the right now, in the right now in this moment, right? Because I might be the best broadcaster in the world right now today. Let's say right now today, I'm number one. but I'm not going to be number one tomorrow. And I'm not going to be number one the next day. So I'm going to be chasing number one for the rest of my life. Do anything. And that's the thing. When people are chasing the world, you come to a point where morals and values, you get those get twisted because you got to get there by any means necessary, right? You got a boss that's telling you, you sold the most cars in November, but we got a couple more days of December. Are you willing to do what it takes? Are you willing to do anything? Anything. And that's a blank check. And I'm not willing to do anything. I'm willing to do more moral and value-based things, but I'm not willing to do anything. I had somebody tell me before, they said, go onto your Twitter account and take God off of it. Take God off of it, you're going to have more followers. I said, if I take God off of it and I'm not his follower, it doesn't matter who's following me because we're going off the cliff. So to me, and I told, I'd said it a million times, they need to take follower, take that word out, say supporter, Twitter supporter, Instagram supporter. I don't like follower because I don't want them to follow me. I want them to follow God. Don't follow me, follow God. Don't, well, what am I, what am I going to do? I'm human. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm trying to follow God. I don't want you to be my followers. That's weird to me. It's like a cult. I'd, I'd rather just be a different name. And I wouldn't be on social media if it didn't reach out to people and me try to spread positivity. And got to have positivity on social media because there's more than enough negativity. 
But Dukes, you said it. I mean, we, we live in a world where we, we just, we want the world to stop for us. We want the world to, and we can't have enough of it, right? We can't have enough of it. We might get the, the most beautiful woman in the world to say yes to a date. And some of us are like, wow, the most beautiful in the woman, woman in the world said yes to a date. We don't know anything about her. I went to my 20-year high school reunion. I had crushes when I was in high school. Dukes, 20 years later, I still don't know why I like those girls other than what they looked like. I still don't know who they are as people to this day. And when I sat and I talked to some people that I went to school with, I'm like, man, would I have liked this person if I had known? You know what I mean? Like, we're we're not we're not even simpatico over here. Like, we're not we're not connected as people. And so some people might say, wow, the hottest girl in the world, in my opinion, said yes to a date with me. This is incredible. And my question to them would be, what else do you know about her? And what some other people might do, Dukes, is they'll go, the hottest girl in the world said yes to a date with me. And instead of being so happy that they're going on that date and seeing where it goes, what do they do? They say, well, if I, if I could get this hot girl, there's got to be a girl hotter than her, and I'm going to go get the next one. And then I'm going to get the next one, I'm going to get the next one, because I got to have it. I got to have it all, right? We don't think about the girl that said yes to marrying us. We think about all those other women that said no to going on a date with us. Well, I would have married Sheila, but Sheila didn't give me the time of day. So I married Stacy because because, you know, Stacy said yes. But if Sheila had said yes, I would have married Sheila. I had an ex-girlfriend call me up and say, you know, my grandfather kind of wondered what my life would be like. Am I with the right person? It was like this weird hinting at, well, Dan, I'm married and I have kids. But what if I ended up with you, Dan? And I'm like, well, that was 11 years ago and you didn't end up with me. And. I don't really know what this conversation is meant to have, because if I'm your husband, I would be very upset and disappointed in this conversation. And if I'm me, which I am, I'm upset and disappointed in this conversation because you're talking to me about something that's not possible. In life, we're constantly trying to make everybody like it. And you hit it. You said, well, you're not living for Jesus. You're living for the world. And the people that would combat you, Dukes, would say, well, we, we're living in the world. So why wouldn't we live for the world? Well, that's that's basically what Christianity is all about. We are we have to be in the world, but we don't have to be of the world. Uh, that That's from the Bible itself. And um, as we. Once you've established a relationship with Christ and have made Jesus the priority of your life, uh, the the, the pillars of faith are trust and obey. Trust and obey. Um, well, I, I trusted for, for you know I, I trusted God to to bring a wife to me. You know what? It never happened. But it's easy for me to look back now. And say that was God's plan for his, for my life. It's different than the plan I had for my life. And 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 by by faith, I accept His plan over my plan. And and 
once I've, I've learned to do that and I've placed my trust in him, um, guess what? I, I look back now, Dan, I'm so grateful, so grateful that he never brought a wife into my life. Uh, just because I know that God has given me a gift of what we call celibacy. It's not for everybody. It's, it's only for a few, in fact, um, to live a single life. But I thank him every day for that gift. I didn't know that 40 years ago. Yeah. But, but I trusted him and, and I obeyed him. Uh, and it's his, his plan is the best plan. I accept your plan over my plan. Amen. That's what you said. And, and, and we can say it, but we have to live it. And, you know, it's something that. Now we're, now we're back to, it's not easy. Right. No, <laughs> it's, it's not. not. Easy nice it's, and it, and it never has been and never will be. But, you know, it, it's funny how, you know, Christians, some Christians out there listening right now and, and, and watching, you know, or people considering God, they say it's not easy. And my response back to them would be, well, you're literally following someone who was stoned, yelled at, sworn at, spit on, whipped, beaten, crown of thorns, carried across, nailed to the cross, so you're asking me why your life as a Christian is difficult when Christianity is based on following Jesus Christ, whose life was the most difficult. So at the basis of everything, the one who was perfect suffered the most. And more often than not, none of us are going to get whipped, beaten and carried across that we get nailed to in the sunlight. So I guess what I'm saying, Dukes, to kind of bring it all together today is if the life of a Christian is the hardest life, doesn't that mean we're doing it right? Um, it could. Only, I think only the individual can make that assessment. Um, <clears throat> I, I would, I would add to that, Dan, that what, what is there in life that isn't hard to pursue? Uh, relationships are difficult to pursue. Yeah. Um, careers are difficult to pursue. I mean, you didn't you didn't get to where you are today by not putting in an incredible amount of effort. Um, yeah. Anything worthwhile doing is it, it, it's gonna there's a cost to it. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of Matthew sixteen twenty four. It says, as Christians, we need to take up our cross daily. Yeah. And and um, I know I'm, we're repeating ourselves, but it's uh, it's difficult every day. But the rewards could not be greater. The the amount of joy I experience in life is phenomenal. Um, but it it comes with a a, a cost. And are you willing to pay that cost? Uh, you know. I don't like to generalize, but we do live in a society that I believe uh, uh, the American way is to, to they want we want everything to be easy. Mm -hmm. you, you said it earlier, but we want everything done now. Um, and we want it easy. We don't want to pay that cost. And, and uh, I, I believe the opposite is true. I want to 
I wanted as a, you know, I was a high school teacher and a coach and I wanted my kids to know that you, you need to work hard, <laughs> whatever you pursue, you, you got to put the effort into it. It's not going to be given to you. It's not going to come to you. You've got to, even your relationship with Christ, you got to pursue it. You know, uh, something as simple as daily Bible reading. You know, I heard a statistic on a Christian radio station that said only 11% of of um, com- people who claim to be Christians, only 11% of them are reading the Bible on a regular basis. Uh, well, using a baseball analogy, uh, I say that's like that's like going up to the plate without a bat. You're not going to be successful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you want to live a Christian life, if you want to experience that relationship, that personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, you got to be in his word. <laughs> There's no getting around it. Uh, once we've committed our lives to Christ, uh, it says in Galatians 5, 23, we are given the, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Who doesn't want those things? But you got to work at them. Yeah. I want to I want to hit a couple points before I let you go here with Dukes Knutson, a press box manager for the Tampa Bay Rays, speaking on the reason for the season and, and in our opinion, that being Jesus Christ. How did we get here, Dukes? How did the world get to what it is today when I was a kid and I was nine years old it looked a lot different to me. I tell people all the time when I was in elementary school at our, our lady of Pompeii, there might've been one kid in the class didn't believe in God. And you wondered like, what was wrong with his family? Did he come from a broken home? What made him feel that way? If you didn't believe in God, you can go to church. You get smacked on the back of the head. Now, in 2023, I feel like the minority. I believe in Christ and I feel like I feel like that's this big. And there's all these people. I believe in everything. You know, I want to believe I'm a butterfly. And if I put cardboard wings on, everybody will tell me I'm a butterfly butterfly and they'll tell me that I fly so well. How did we get here, Dukes? Well, I, I believe um <clears throat> Two things come to my mind. Number one is we've allowed we've allowed other things to become more important than Jesus. Um, <clears throat> the very first commandment is, "I am the Lord your God. You shall not have other gods before me." Mm-hmm. Well, we as a society have created many gods who we place ahead of the capital G God, and. Uh, <clears throat> it's that, that's how we've gotten here. We've, we've gotten away from God. Um, I forgot the other point I was going to make, but that that's to me is the primary reason right there. We, we as as a as a country, as individuals, we've we've just gotten away from God. I want to go going to Matthew. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. First. Yeah. You know, I don't know how much time we got left here, but I want to make one other comment about uh, Jesus is the reason for the season. Yeah. 
Um, I, I've used that many, many times over the years. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to avoid it. Um, not that it, it's, it's obviously it's true, but I want to put the period after reason instead of season. Jesus is the reason, period. So for everything. For every season. Every, yeah. Every season. When I see Jesus as the reason for the season and in these conversations I'm having this morning, I'm like, well, when I seasons, you know, that's how I look at it. Uh, Dukes, I want to I want to hit one more point because a lot of us, you know, we all go through stuff. Everybody goes through trials and tribu tribulations to bring it back to the beginning. You know, I don't know what's going on in the lives of the people on the plane. They don't know what's going on in my life. Job suffered a lot. And he watched God take from him so many things. Job had it, right? Job had it and and it was taken and it was taken and he's looking up at God and saying, "Well, okay, you know, you took this, I'm, I'll keep I'll keep believing and you took that and okay, but here I am at this point, God, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this to me?" And faith faith cannot be born i always think about like I, I think about i'm thinking about it right now like a mallet to a rock that god is just hitting we're the rock and god's hitting it hitting it hitting it hitting it because there's a gem that he's trying to get out of this rock but he can't get the gem out unless he hits it job went through some people would say hell on earth but faith cannot be created without hitting the rock repeatedly. So I'd love for you to speak on faith and Job and how maybe God doesn't give us what we want until he knows we have the faith to believe we can have it. Again, at the risk of repeating myself, it, it, it comes back to that point where we can accept faith as trusting and obeying. Um, again, maybe this is a secular societal thing, but we want to we want to have an answer for everything. Well, I've come to believe in my my faith journey that there's a lot that I'm never going to figure out, but I'm still going to trust them, and that's what Job did. Yeah, he, he couldn't figure out why is all this going on. I don't get it. I, you know, I'm a good person. Uh, why? 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 Well, we don't always get the answer to why. And, and, and that's why I, I think it's important, too, as Christians to, we can't focus everything on knowing everything in this world. It's, it's the next world that we're living for. That's what's important. Um, somebody, I heard somebody say the other day, Life is short, so enjoy it all. Well, life life is short, or eternity is long, <laughs> so prepare for it. Mm -hmm. and, and we don't spend enough time preparing for eternity. We're preparing for everything here on earth, you know, for somebody like yourself, you know, the next 40 or 50 years. You're preparing your career. You're preparing for what kind of family am I going to have? What kind of relationships am I going to have? But the bigger question is, where am I going to be in eternity? And, and, and focusing in on that and making that the priority. 
not not the secondary question. And that's what I think we have done. We've you know, people don't give a whole lot of attention to eternity. Because I think I think there's people that don't want to believe it exists. Because if you don't believe it exists, then I don't have to pay for anything in eternity. And I always tell people you could believe the sky doesn't exist, but it's still there. You could right. believe you could believe that trees don't produce oxygen, but but they do. You could believe I don't have two eyes and a nose that's looking at you right now. And in today's society, I could tell you I have a dreadlocks and that I didn't shave my head yesterday, but some of you might believe me. But the reality of it all is I do not have dreadlocks. And so I, I tell people all the time, you can believe God exists. You cannot believe God exists. That's your prerogative. But there, there is a real answer. And they would say, well, Dan, how do you know that you're right? And my response would be, how do you not know? Uh, how, how do you think that we came to be? How do you think that every human being on the planet can communicate in the same way, even though we speak different languages and come from different places, that we can always communicate in very certain ways that are very basic? Why can a dog communicate with a human being? How can I communicate with Lily, my dog, in a way where she gets it? How does she understand my language? How does any of this stuff come to be? How does God always send me messages that I see at a time when I need to see them? How does he do things that can make me sit in my car and cry instantaneously because the one thing I'm thinking about is the next song that plays on my radio? How can all of this be by mistake? All of this be by happenstance? How can that message that you get from a friend at a time where they don't know that they needed you? I'm going to throw this at you in sports wise to round up our conversation. Zay Jones, who plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I've covered the Jaguars for many, many years. Zay Jones believes in God. I believe in God. And we talk about it. Well, I went to interview Zay and Zay and I have a bond and God created that bond. And whether Zay wants to talk to the media or not, he's never told me no for when it comes to me. And I said to Zay, I said, hey, man, you got a second? He was like, yeah, of course. He said, pull up a chair. Now, we're in the media. You never see us sitting down. They're their chairs. 